Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Honest Conversations with Alex Cubis, brought to you by Nova Entertainment, where I speak to successful creatives about their careers and where they get their ideas from. In this episode, I converse with Tom Hammack. Tom is an award-winning American filmmaker and production designer, having directed The Last Survivors with Split and The Edge of Seventeen actress Haley Lou Richardson. Represented by the William Morris Endeavor Agency, who count The Rock, Emma Stone, and director Reed Morano as clients, Tom has worked on films with actors like Tom Hanks, Jason Statham, Jennifer Lopez, Willem Dafoe, and has also been announced as the production designer for an upcoming blockbuster with which you will soon, no doubt, all be very familiar. Go check it out on IMDb under his name. Tom gives an eloquent summary of the commerce and art distinction, as well as some learned stories for how filmmakers can get representation. Hope you guys enjoy this chat. I answer these questions for me. I think, I feel, I need, I want. So right in this moment, what are you thinking? What do you want? What do you need? And oh, you man. So you're, you're going straight for the throat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I guess one could answer these in sort of a micro or a macro Great. sense. Yeah. I awesome. mean, what I'm thinking, I guess, how miserably we've treated the environment as a people, as a group, oh, and yeah. yet on the micro... I'm worrying about there's this little bird in my yard, this wren, and you know that I see from time to time, and I haven't seen it in a while. Okay. So it was. But those two thoughts, which are concerns about the environment, are connected. So that's yes. that's interesting that you've laid it. Yeah. Exactly. So that's your what you're thinking. Uh, you think you feel. Um, I'm feeling anxious and excited and kind of hyper because I'm just starting a new movie and it's the most. And you're, of, you're allowed to say what movie that is, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm starting the new Godzilla film, and it's always very nerve wracking. Yeah, like for me, right at the beginning. Yeah. So I'm understandably a, a bit hyper about that. Um, you need. I need. Um, I need it to rain. Okay. Again, Both for me and for say the Western United States, yeah. we're in a terrible drought and winter's fleeting away, and mm-hmm. we've only had three inches, I think. Okay, and then what do you want? Um, I I want to see Dunkirk projected again in seventy millimeter. You know, you're sort. Of, this is the time of the year when you're thinking back over the films mm-hmm. that you've seen and what you like best, what you respected the most, and. Yeah. I was trying to separate because it might not have been my favorite film of the year, okay. but it's the one that I feel like five years from now I will remember the most. And so I'd like to see it again before the opportunity is gone. Good talking points. Um, I think my first observation from that is as, well, one, environmental concerns and two, clearly an interest in films. Um, the two of those are apparent in your directorial debut or at least your feature debut with okay. the last survivors is that right that's so right is that true. is that a concern or a theme that's you've sort of always uh been aware of and you wanted to put into a film in some way yeah i i think so you know both of um my parents work in the sciences okay so and um you know, my brother and sister are academics as well. So it's I've always been in that world, so mm-hmm. to speak, even though I took that left turn off into, off into film. Yeah, right. Um, but I noticed that with your work, particularly your visual style, that there's a very distinct level of 
um, I guess I'd say darkness in a way that's really <laughs> cinematic, um, but clearly it speaks to your experience having worked in science and I guess your combination of your education, your background and your experience living in Australia, different countries and natural, uh, being naturally being drawn to, drawn to telling stories as reflected in your graphic novel as well, which is called Will of the Wisp, which yeah. I'm holding a copy of right now. Totally. Yeah. Um, when did you arrive at the point where you found your voice as being that? Or did you find that you just kept being given opportunities and therefore this, your distinct visual style and storytelling sort of came about? Oh, man. I think it's a mix. It's, it's that in, in the U.S., it's the opportunities to make films and make projects within the independent world and be responsible about returning money to your financers okay. it's different here than it might be in europe australia canada countries that subsidize things a little more and so i've always been interested in genre as a realm in which you can tell stories and have interesting characters where audiences are willing to watch a film without having say the biggest or most important actors Okay. And that frees you up within kind of the U.S. system. Okay. So you're basically, so I'm hearing from that point is that with, particularly with American films being genre specific, and one of the ways to do that is to be really specific with the, the visuals. That's your responsibility. Um, that's one of the biggest selling points to a film. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it just protects things a little bit because genre films travel elsewhere, yeah. especially yeah, for sure. say... Or, but then it's there's also just this chance where you kind of fall in with people you like working with. Right. And I've done a number of films with a director named Adam Wingard, yeah. who's directing yeah. Godzilla, but has done a number of cult films largely within the horror space. How did that collaboration come about? And when did you guys start working together? Um, we started working together after he had done a film called Pop Skull. Okay. And I had done a film called All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. And we, you know, sort of been on the festival circuit together. And we were on a panel together about micro-budget filmmaking at Comic-Con okay. in San Diego. And we... What year was this? Oh, man. This was maybe 2010. 9 2010 okay. okay and we kind of struck up a friendship and then i run a genre film screening series called real grit sundays spelled r-e-e-l because we're terribly clever in los angeles and adam became you know began coming to that and mm. we just you know became friends and when he went off to do your next um he asked me to do it with him and we've been working right. together ever since yeah Okay. I mean, that's a pretty common theme that once you get to a, a level in the industry, you start to find the people that you want to work with. But for maybe aspiring actors or filmmakers out there who are listening, would that be your advice to people now to try to find people maybe that are um, at your level and just start making stuff with them? Totally find your group of friends and just yeah. begin making things, yeah. whatever that it is, be. you'd have to start shooting. Yeah. Okay. So whatever well, you want to do, you have to do that thing. And it doesn't matter how big or small the level is. Yeah, because it's an expression of your creative spirit. Exactly. Yeah. So one observation I have with reviewing all of your work is that you seem to be obviously involved in a bunch of different facets of the industry. What with um, graphic novels, production design, 
directing, filmmaking in general, and then you just mentioned your screen like film film screening series. So yeah. all of those initiatives did are those simply just expressions of what you want to do artistically and you've never really thought about them as being a part of a bigger plan? Or did you have you sat down and thought that they're all building your film empire, so to speak? Um, no, there's sadly there's no bigger plan. There probably should be. <laughs> but they, the thing is that they they all they all coalesce and they all build to get they build a career together. Exactly. Planning it. Yeah. So one just keeps doing what you like doing, and yeah. it's kind of any opportunity to tell a story. Okay. In whatever role possible. Okay. Right. And did you? Yeah. Exactly. Um, that was yeah probably one of my first observations when I looked over your work. So. Did you, um, were you always drawn to that process? You never felt obligated to um, move up a ladder like in the way that film school taught you? Or did you always find that you were just able to freely express and make content? Um, I always felt pretty free to express and make content, honestly. Um, In part because of gravitated towards filmmakers who, you know, for instance, say Adam and the screenwriter Simon Barrett, the two of them work a great deal together. Mm-hmm. And Adam shoots friends' movies, even though he's a director. He edited um, the film I directed oh. as a favor, and he did stunts in it. Wow. Because okay. I couldn't afford a stuntman. Very cool. Um, and so, you know, Simon came out and did stunts too. It's So it's sort of just about finding that group of friends who just want to make things and you're able to keep making things and help each other okay um so on that topic um i wanted to present a narrative to you for how maybe your film gets made and then maybe we can compare it to your experiences either with your feature or with other stories okay um so this for those out listening this might be either for the aspiring director writer or actor um and then also producer i guess we're touching on a lot of different issues so um uh, I guess we always you always have to start off with a great script, always has to have a great idea. And then maybe hypothetically a writer has a literary agent, so they shop it around to a production company who then gets a famous actor involved to build legitimacy. And then the production company, or maybe the agency takes it to film financiers uh, to get the money. So that's one narrative for how a film can get made, right? And then eventually the distributor sells it as a product to consumers or to audiences. Um, in your experience with your film or your friends, how is the path to making a film and selling it differed? Oh man. I mean, it's what you're describing is kind of the most typical way. Exactly. Then yeah. There's always different ways to another make it happen, way, right? Yeah. Another way for the smaller films is you just start making it. Okay. And once you're making it, friends get excited. Okay. People come aboard when you can give people hard dates that this is happening. Cameras mm-hmm. are rolling. All of a sudden their schedule frees up. Something <laughs> drops out. They're able to be there. So yeah. that's sort of the tenuous nature of Filmmaking. independent film, but it's yeah. also exciting and things snowball. So I feel like there's that version too, where you just start making it without and planning it too much. Exactly. And okay. hope, hope for the best. Okay. And sometimes it comes together and I was lucky enough to have it come together in my case. Right. Okay. So. So I read with yours that you or a collaborator um, had organized financing for a feature which fell through, but the financiers had leftover money. 
called contingency funding. Exactly. And then you were able to use that for your film. Yeah, so they had a small amount of money and the there had been a larger film, but the discussion was if it can make this before the end of the year, mm-hmm. then um, we'll make the movie and why, really small movie and why the end of the year? Like was it oh, financial was tax? Okay, okay. Thing. So there was a, a benefit to using that money. It, exactly. Right, and, and spending it on, on um, something. We Jacob Foreman, who's um, writer I write with, he and I just started writing. We did one draft, and then things started going. Producers came aboard, and right, and it, it got made. It builds. It builds momentum. Okay. Yeah. Um, what are your ambitions at the moment with your career as a filmmaker in general, and then as a production designer? Do you want to direct more, or are you mainly interested in, in purely working as in production design? Oh, I'd like to direct more and, you know, feel like I definitely would have the the film have been successful. It's just that the director that we'd mentioned before, Adam, mm. who I work with, has been on such a terror recently that production design has sort of taken over everything else. Okay. Um, we and by to- terror, do you mean by... Just making big films, or it's been this constant build of movies, yeah, and okay. we have this uh, process, which you know I'm very lucky to be involved in, where we overlap a little bit. I start a little earlier than one normally might as a production designer to help get things going, and Adam actually edits his own films, so he's involved later than a director might be involved in a very major way in okay. his movie in terms of like sitting down in front of the avid himself and cutting it which makes it a little harder for him to start a film but it's it's been this kind of overlapped insanity ever since because i made my film just before he made a film called the guest with dan stevens yeah and we were cutting them and dan stevens for those out there sorry to cut you off but he's he's, he was a regular on uh downton abbey and also played the beast in beauty and the beast so yeah, exactly. Anyway, Cousin yeah, Matthew. Continue. Right. So anyway, okay. it, yeah. it's just been snowballing from there for Adam and it's led little by little up this ladder to Godzilla. Okay. Right. And is that the type of film that you hope to direct in the future? Oh no, just small indie. Okay. You know, something that's interesting, tell a small story in right. a unique way. Yeah. Great. And that's, so you found that there's more freedom with working within that medium of a, a smaller budget and for sure. Okay. Um, and yeah, and I, I read about the fact that the casting process and the writing happened so quickly. What do you attribute that quick process to? Like, had you written something before and you knew how to bang out a script or was it just that the t- the money and the fact that the time was set for you, the deadline was set, just you were forced to write something yeah. quickly? We were forced to write something quickly. Quickly, I mean, Jacob and I had written a number of scripts before and had projects, you know, in different okay. phases of the development process, so to speak. Okay. But this was so quick, it just yep. happened. Okay. And there's no choice. You just right. got to grind through you it. You just have to do it. Like, it's like doing a university assignment and getting it done quickly. Exactly. You're in a timeline. So you have this leftover money. You were forced to write the script really quickly because otherwise the money would go away. You got the film made and cast and had some great actors involved. And were you already with William Morris by that point? Um, I was with another agency named Gersh okay. at that point. Okay. And, and did, the, that, did they help 
package the film or get the film developed in any way? Um, yeah, they were they were fantastic. They did some packaging on it, brought some actors to it. Okay. Um, and then at some point after the film had been made, my agent moved to WME. Right. Okay. And that's that's where I am now. That's okay. All right. Cool. So that's explaining uh, the movements behind filmmakers and the agencies that they're at. So the film, did you personally select how it was going to premiere and the festival process or? Um, yeah, you know, you apply to festivals and hope for the best. And we okay. were lucky enough to have one of the big U S festivals say yes. Yeah. Right. And it kind of charged along from there. LAFF. Yeah. So yeah. we premiered at LAFF and then once we had premiered at that, then other festivals ask you, you know, to okay. screen at their festivals and it just sort of gains momentum. Okay. All right, cool. Are there any, anything that you would have changed about the whole process from beginning to end if you could go back? Um, a second draft of the script would have been great. Okay, it was the first draft? Yeah. Wow. That okay. was it's impressive. First draft. And then is it, what it meant is that we ended up doing a lot of what one could call rewriting in the editing room. Mm-hmm. So with Adam and then with... Um, our editor Sarah Brochar, who just amazingly cut the post for Spielberg. Very cool. Um, so you know, changing lines, adding lines, taking lines away. What do you mean by changing lines in ADR? Yeah. Okay. So you know, you kind of <laughs> sit the actor's back as to yeah. you, and then you shift their line wow. just slightly. Okay. Um, it's always this mystery. We're trying to do tell a story where we told the audience as little as possible and where revealing little pieces of information helped to give the film momentum. showing not telling yeah in yeah. addition to just pure narrative arc or character arc mm-hmm. and um it's it's hard to pull off to figure out how much the audience really understands mm-hmm. so we did a lot of test screenings and then based on those test screenings and sensing the audience you kind of figure out where they're bored where they're not what okay. they understand what they don't right um, and it's obviously complicated by trying to build a unique world. Sure. So it, particularly with, um, for those of you who haven't seen the last survivors, it's available on Amazon, Roku, all the street major streaming yeah. services. Yeah. It's out there. It's out there, <laughs> out there in, in the universe. Um, if there's something that you could have told yourself, uh, 10 years ago, um, to, or any, any piece of advice, what would you tell yourself? Oh, man. Um, don't worry so much, I think. I think that's, like, that's applicable to anyone in life in general, right? No, yeah. just not necessarily in the film industry. <laughs> totally. It, and it's a little specific. It's because when I came out of film school, there was a writer's strike. And okay, so, so you finished, in, you finished in 2007 then? 2004. Okay. Oh, wow. There was yeah. one before. And, and then, um, you know, you're just getting going, yeah. you, you know, you're a PA, you're starting to get jobs. And then this writer strike happened and everything shut down. Right. And so it was right when you're just starting to get your feet all of a sudden, the industry is dead for this huge period. And that was, there's a lot of worry associated with that, but it's all worked out. So I think I'd tell myself not to, not to worry so, so what did much. you, how long was the strike on or how long did it last and what did you do to fill in time and. Um, I guess, make sure that you were able to return to the industry when it started up again. Okay. It, it, the strike went on for months, but it felt like longer because it meant that projects that had been going, been getting close to greenlit, 
died and they didn't come back. And then it took a while for new projects to get started. Okay. So it, you could say for at least a year, a year and a half, it wow. really crushed the industry, so yeah. to speak. And so, you know, during that period of time, just did smaller films, you know, kept working, but it was just hard and you're sort of scraping by, but yeah. it, it works out in the end, I guess. And what was the turning point, do you think, in your career? Was it, how did you, how did you get your first agent or how did you get your first big oh man new job um do you think you could take that and make it advice to people who might be listening i think taking risks and interviews because i ended up getting my agent because i had um i'd interviewed with a director you know way above my pay grade so to okay. speak to be their production designer okay and you know it was and quite that... a large film over say 10 million dollars okay and it and I took a lot of risks in the interview, you know, ignoring where the script, say, sets a scene. Okay. Completely changing things like that. And eventually, um, I ended up being one of the final three production designers in contention for the film. And the, the film fell apart, but the other designers were both with major agencies, and I didn't have an agent. And um, agents called trying to figure out where I was at. And they, because they heard about you being in the running for this job. Exactly. Right. And so that's, that's how I ended up with my agent. Okay. So same agent really to lucky. this day, same agent to this day. Wow. That's very cool. And how did that interview with the director in the first place come about? Um, the, it being like the first bigger film or whatever, as you said, that totally you sort of got the it, chance to, it's one of those for. things where you just never know. It came from a short I had done many years before okay. for a, producer producing the short who went on to work for a foreign sales company okay and the foreign sales company you know <laughs> is doing this larger film so they had me in had you in their back pocket in the back of their mind exactly yeah. so it just happened happened from there and then it was about you know honestly just taking risks in the interview because you can play these things very safe yeah. within our world or you can make a distinct choice. Sure. It tried to The same could be said to a director or an actor or a writer. Exactly. Yeah. So at That's... least you know you've you know brought something to the table artistically and maybe they like it, maybe yeah. they don't. But you have to be prepared that if they don't that's okay because you exactly. pr you've presented your expression. Yeah. Very very cool. Um so I guess we've discussed the path to in an independent film getting on its feet. Um, how a freelancer should maybe be true to themselves and expressing themselves in different ways. And I guess keeping active in the ways that I think are authentic to you, which in your case, I think is very cool. What with a combination of writing, design, filmmaking, and organizing things like screening. So it's a, a bunch of different ventures, I guess. Um, and also taking a risk and then be safe in the knowledge that, um, little projects that you've done years before end up coming to help you in the future. Um, that's all very cool. Was there anything, anything else that you'd like to add? Oh man. Um, no, I think, I think you've covered it yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> Basically summarize your career. Um, a good decade and a half in, in 20, 20 odd minutes. Um, is there anything different now that we've had this conversation? Is there anything different in, I think I feel I need, I want, or do you think that you've stayed the same? I think I've stayed the same. 
Good. Yeah. Consistency Still hoping is it key. rains. Okay. <laughs> well, it looks pretty sunny out there, so I don't know how likely that is to happening today, but um, let's keep our fingers crossed this week. Well, thank you, Tom, for being my guest for this uh, episode of Honest Conversations. And make sure to check out uh, guys listening, uh, his film, The Last Survivors, on all the mentioned platforms. All right. Thanks so much, guys. And thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me, Alex.